Thank you so much, Dale. Heavenly Father, may that be our heart's desire. Each one of us this morning, that we would rather have Jesus than anything else. Father, I pray now that as we open your word, Father, we might gain new understanding, Lord, of, of your truth and how we can apply it to our lives that we might be more like Jesus Christ in the days ahead. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me this morning, let's turn to Psalm 15. Psalm 15. We continue our series, A Study in the Psalms. And I titled this message this morning, Dwelling in His Presence. Dwelling in His Presence. As we come to this psalm, this is another psalm of David. We find that David focuses his attention upon dwelling in the presence of the Lord. And what kind of person do, uh, does it take to be or to walk in the presence of the Lord or to dwell in the presence of the Lord? Now, we as believers, we know that when we were saved, as Jesus Christ promised, he would send his Holy Spirit to us to indwell us. And so you and I, as believers, had the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Now, in David's day, they had the tabernacle. And they believed that that was, they knew that that was where the presence of God or his glory would dwell. The tabernacle, and then later on when the temple was built, it would be the temple. And where was the exact place in that tabernacle? called the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant rested. So David is going to be uh, speaking of the uh, the, uh, abiding presence of God in our life and how he, he's looking at himself and saying, what kind of man, what kind of person is, will God allow to just sit with him? And dwell with him. And I think he looks at his own heart because he looks back on all his sin, all his mistakes. And David, just like us, he's got a list of them, of how he messed up in his life. And, and there, were time, there were times in his life where he was not abiding in the presence of the Lord. So let's look together what he has to say here. Here in chapter 15. He begins with two questions. Verse 1. O Lord, who may abide in thy tent? Who may dwell in thy holy hill? David's asking the question. Lord, you know, who, what kind of person can abide in thy tent? And when he uses the word tent there, it's also translated tabernacle. And he is thinking again of the tabernacle uh, there. But, and then, then he speaks of who may dwell on thy holy hill, which is uh, Mount Zion. 
It's the, uh, uh, the place called Mount Moriah where, Jeru- where Jerusalem was built. This is God's holy hill. But he's also, when we read about the holy hill, it also includes the holy hill in heaven, the new Jerusalem where God dwells right now. So dwelling in his presence spiritually. So that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about uh, what he said in Psalm 23, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's not talking here about after death. But David is talking about abiding in the presence of the Lord. And that many times is the problem that we all have to face in life on a daily basis. Am I truly, and I, I look at myself and I go, Lord, I, I've fallen short. Because I want to walk with him close, closely. I want to have fellowship, close fellowship with my Father in heaven through my Lord Jesus Christ. But sometimes it, you just feel like he's not there, right? Sometimes you just feel like he, maybe he's not hearing your prayer. Uh, or, or there's a distance, you know, between us and the Lord. And we're going, what is it? Well, David is going to look at some characteristics in a person that maybe we need to evaluate and see if these, any of these areas are hindering our fellowship with abiding in the presence of the Lord. And so he asks the question. Now the word, when he says abide there, that, that Hebrew word for abide or dwell has the idea of a foreigner or a sojourner or traveler being taken in by an Israelite who will meet his needs and protect him. That's what abide means. It means uh, someone, an, an Israelite opening their home to a foreigner, a traveler who's coming by, saying, you're welcome in my home. Come and dwell with me. I'll feed you. You're protected in here from the elements and other things. And so it is, this is the idea of, our, of walking in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and God the Father. That I, am, I know that when I'm walking, abiding in him, I am I am close to him, and I am protected, and I know that I am in the center of his will. So we know that David, David is concerned about his own walk with the Lord. He always has been. That's why he's a man after God's own heart. But let's look at some of these things that we should look into if we get to that place where we wonder, Lord, I don't feel as close to you as I used to. So what kind of person can dwell with the Lord? And again, remember, this has nothing to do with salvation. This is talking about believers, children of God, who are basically in fellowship with their father, and the child is sitting there, and, and can talk and commune, and, and the relationship is good between father and child. 
But here's some of the things. Verse 2, David begins. So who may abide with you? First, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Here, David first begins with the heart, or his heart, a person's heart. If we're going to abide in the presence of the Lord on a daily basis, I've got to make sure I'm walking with integrity. Walking with integrity here. The integrity here is also translated uprightly or blameless. Now, the word integrity there here, or blameless, if you have another version that, that says walk blamelessly, it doesn't mean sinless, okay? Because right away we think, well, one who walks blamelessly before God, that's the one who can, can really enjoy his fellowship. But that almost comes across as I've, I've got to live a sin, sinless life. But no, actually the word here, it carries the meaning of a sincere heart and intention of truthfulness. And being honest and genuine and sincere so that my heart is an open book to God. So that when I am walking my through life and today, I have that opportunity. I've got to first look at my heart and say, Lord, am I walking with integrity? Is there sincerity in my life or is there any hypocrisy? How many of us have found ourselves to uh, uh, be hypocritical in some way? We all have. But that can hinder us from being close to the Lord and walking closely to him. David, David then goes on there in verse 2. He says, and works righteousness. Well, if, I'm walk, if I walk with integrity in my heart, then the works of righteousness, my works are going to, to come forth. Works of righteousness. And then what's going to happen? I will speak truth in my heart. In other words, I know that, that I, what, I am, uh, what I am doing, how I'm living, I'm living according to the word of God. And then the word of God, which is truth, speaks to my heart. And David so many times fell short. He fell short of this. Turn to John 15 with me, if you would. Let's go to John, Gospel of John 15, verse 1. And here we see Jesus speaking to his disciples about this abiding. Verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Now, 
a reminder that what Jesus is talking to his disciples, believers. He's talking about fellowship here, abiding. That same word that David's talking about, abiding, it's fellowship. So when, when you read in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That doesn't mean he's going to be thrown into hell, okay? Or he loses his salvation. No, because look at verse 3. Jesus goes on and says to them, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So they're saved, they're clean, but now he is going to tell the believer one of the most important things they can do while they are on earth. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, what happens? He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is saying to his disciples, you must abide in me and I in you. But that means that I'm the one that's going to help you to abide. You could do nothing without me. Don't think you can go produce fruit on your own. But as you draw close to me, like I and Jesus basically is saying, just like I have my relationship with my heavenly father. So you must have the same kind of relationship with me and the father. And what will that do? That will produce fruit. And this is what David is trying to convey here. He's talking about the abiding in the presence of the Lord. And how do we produce the fruit? Well, David is going through that. A person, an individual who is producing fruit. So go back to Psalm 15 with me. Because this is all about producing fruit, dear Christian, this morning. David is, is saying, this is the Christian who is producing fruit. And therefore, then abiding in his presence. Verse 3, he goes on. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. Nor takes up reproach against his friend. Here we see that David is now concerned about the tongue. Now, I know none of us here this morning have a problem with our words, do we? Our tongue. I know everything that comes out of our mouth is perfect. This morning, as you got ready for church, husbands, didn't you say just the perfect words for your, to your wife? Left her happy? Or how about the other way around? You know, wives, did you say the perfect words to your husband so that he feels good about coming to church? How about with the kids, right? Kids, how about you as a young person? Maybe you said something to mom or dad and didn't say it in a nice way or a disrespectful way. Or as a parent. I can say something to my child 
the wrong way and, and, and the wrong kind of, of words in anger. And what am I doing? I, I'm sinning against God. The Lord is concerned about what comes out of my mouth. So first, we saw that David says, we can abide by walking with integrity. We can abide by walking with integrity. But now we can say that David it makes it clear we can abide by guarding our tongue. By guarding our tongue. Now, what word does he use there in verse 3? It says there, this person who will abide in the presence of the Lord, he does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up reproach against his, his friend. That whole verse really is speaking about how we use our tongue and what our voices are. That word reproach there literally means to say sharp things with my words say or being insulting to my neighbor or to a friend and how important it is to gain an understanding here of of the importance of controlling this turn to titus chapter 3 let's go over to titus 3 a book we don't go to very often titus 3 Verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> so Paul's writing to Titus, and this is what he writes. Remind them to be subject, and again, this is to the, the church. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work or good deed here it is to malign no one it's also the word is used slander no one to slander no one to be uncontentious gentle gentle showing every consideration for all men but paul points it out don't slander others, Christian. Be careful how, what we say, not just to somebody in front of them, but how, how easy is it to say something behind someone's back to so, about somebody to someone else? The old gossip train, right? The old gossip train. That's what David is concerned about. What's, what's coming out of my mouth? Am I slandering a fellow brother or sister in Christ somehow, some way? Maybe I see that they blew it. Maybe I see the sin in their life that they're trying to recover from. Oh, but, but I got to let everybody know about it. And so I'm going to go around and I'm going to tell everybody, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? Do you know what, what's going on? Yeah, let me tell you something about him or her. And that's slander. We slander, and what that is, it's a slander against someone's reputation and character. And David's saying there's no way that he can abide in walking with the Lord 
if I am going around slandering someone at the same time. The Father is not going to listen to me. He's not going to be close to me. He's not going to hear my prayers if, that's, if, if I'm allowing that to be part of my life. I have to guard against slander and the words that I speak. So, guarding our tongue. Turn back to Psalm 15 again. And as we look at verse 4. In whose eyes a reprobate is despised, David goes on, but who, fear, who, who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. Now, here we see again that this has a lot to do with his words, with the tongue, but it's talking about honoring those who fear the Lord. But if I'm going to abide with the, with, the, with the Lord in his presence on a daily basis, I can't be hanging around with those who despise the Lord or are living a life dishonoring to him. The Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15.33, Do not perceive. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts what? Anybody remember? Bad morals. Yeah, that's not just a, a proverb, but it's in the scriptures. And how many have found that out? Any of you ever, uh, as you look back on your, your life, the times you hung out with the wrong crowd, did you ever end up in trouble? Yeah, absolutely. This, that truth that Paul shared there with the Corinthians, that's exactly what happens, right? There are those, perhaps you have loved ones, who are, have just been drawn into the world, and they're drawn to walking with the ungodly. You know, it's, it's just like uh, as uh, David uh, shared uh, back in Psalm 1. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 1 real quick. Look at Psalm 1. And here's the man who's going to abide in the presence of the Lord because David is talking about having fellowship with those who honor and fear the Lord and compared to those who don't. Verse 1 of Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers or the scornful. You see, here the psalmist makes it clear that a blessed man will be one who can abide in the presence of the Lord if he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Notice the progression. First, he says, blesses man who doesn't walk with, uh, uh, in the counsel of the wicked, listening to what they have to say and walk with them, nor stand in the path of sinners. First, you walk with those who don't fear God, 
and are living a disobedient life, you walk with them, and then what? You stand. You stand with them, and you, you, suddenly you're, you're, you're drawing closer to them and having deeper fellowship, standing in the path of sinners. And then finally he says, nor sit in the seat of the scoffer or the scornfuls, those who will scoff at God and the Bible and everything else. That's sitting down with them. Now, we're not talking about trying to win somebody to Christ, but we're talking about just fellowship here. I cannot abide with my Holy Father in communion in my spirit on a daily basis if, if I am allowing myself to be drawn in to relationships that are not uh, of those who are of like mind and like spirit and walk close to the Lord and desire and fear the Lord. So go back with me to chapter 15 here. And there at verse, again, the end of verse 4, he says, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. Swears to his own hurt. This basically means if you have an NIV, it says, keeps his oath even if it hurts. In other words, making a promise, and even if things are turning out bad, I'm going to keep that promise anyway, even if it hurts me. Again, here it is talking about if my words, my tongue. Be careful what we promise, because God will hold us accountable for those promises or vows we make. But then we come to five, the last verse. And David now is going to conclude this short psalm. He writes, the same person, right? What kind of person can abide in the presence of the Lord in his tent, in his holy hill? He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. Now, we'll stop there for a minute. <clears throat> That uh, The King James Version, if you have that, the first part is translated, He that putteth not out his money to uh, usury. Usury. That's an unusual word, isn't it? Usury. But he's talking about, basically, it. that word in, here in the Hebrew basically means to bite. To bite, like to, to snip at something. To bite something. And basically he's, he's talking about uh, extortion or a Christian being dishonest with his money. You know, so that if he's lending out money, uh, he's going to take that brother or sister, you know, to the cleaners by the interest that he may charge. And in the Old Testament... They, they uh, under the law, they weren't allowed to charge interest. Now, it's not wrong in the New Testament. We don't see you can't charge interest if you're going to loan somebody money. But what he's talking about here is uh, using a, a person for your own monetary gain. And nor, he goes on, does he take a bribe against the innocent. So the third thing we can, if, if we're going to capsulize these things, right, 
We can abide by walking in integrity. Secondly, we abide by guarding our tongue. And here's the third one. We can abide by sanctifying our possessions. Sanctifying our possessions. My money. The things I own. Material. You know, if, if I'm living for, what, for, for the money and I have a love of money, do you think that the Lord wants to sit down with me and abide with me and, and, and have close communion and I will hear his, his spirit speak to my heart? There's no way. And that's what David is saying. David's saying you can't walk, into the, walk with the Lord in fellowship if I've got my heart set on the things of this world and actually am doing harm to others to gain more and using it for my advantage. That's what David is saying here. We can abide by sanctifying our possessions. That means give, give it all to the Lord. Say, Lord, all my money, you show me how to use it. You show me how to give it. You show me how to use my possessions. If I had to sell some to help somebody in need, Lord, show me whether or not I should do that. To give wisely and to give to the Lord, but not to harm the brother or sister in Christ who is in need. That's what David is concerned about. How do we handle our, our finances and our money? David writes... Uh, uh, about uh, this uh, money, just as, as Paul was writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, where Paul was telling Timothy, warn those who are rich. You know, not, not to be bribing others or hoarding or being selfish or greedy, but being willing to give. My friends, David then concludes... With it, I love the end of this psalm. He concludes verse 5 with this statement. And I leave this with you. Take this with you today. He who does these things will never be shaken. Or you may have the translation, never be moved. Remember that hymn? I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. This is what David is saying, that if, if I am uh, seeking, and, and again, I can't live a sinless life. But what I can do, and what I should do, is walking in a state where I am ready to confess my sin if I fall. If I, if I sin and I do one of these things, or something suddenly creeps in and, and I treat someone the wrong way, I say something to someone the wrong way, I hurt them, or I take advantage of them. What, that's the moment I, I've got to say, Lord, I, his spirit will convict us. And we, we realize we've sinned. It's at that point we confess. We confess. And that's the wonderful thing about this. It goes back to the truth of 1 John 1, 9. That because we are Christians and we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, he will convict me of the sins that I am doing so that I can get back into a, a, a fellowship 
with him. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful news? That you and I have been forgiven. And if I sin, there's confession. There's forgiveness because of the cross, because of the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from a little bit of sin. Is that what it says? Cleanses us from all sin. Let us seek to abide with the Lord this week and keep short accounts with God and not grieve the Holy Spirit within us so that we find ourselves distant in our walk with the Lord. But let us look in the mirror and say, Lord, as David said, turn the searchlight on to my heart and see if there be any sin in me. Let's pray together. As we close this morning, dear Christian, if there's something in your life right now that you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, and you feel that it's hindering your walk with the Lord, your ability to abide in his presence with peace and joy, and you aren't where you used to be, or you know you're not where you should be because there's been some sin, perhaps one of these, that, that has come into your life and has not been dealt with. Would you deal with it right now with him? Confess it to him? And say, Father, I'm sorry. I'm asking for you to forgive me of this sin and cleanse me from this unrighteousness and wash it away by your, the blood of your Son. Confess it now, Christian. And begin to abide once again in the Lord. If you're here without Christ, I invite you right now to open your heart and receive Jesus Christ by faith as your only Savior. He'll cleanse you and forgive you of all your sin if you will just trust him. Believe on his name. You could pray a simple prayer like this. Pray it along with me right now. If you want to trust Christ with your life, and give your heart to him. And have him cleanse you. And wash your sins away. Pray with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Oh, and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on that cross for me. And took the punishment for my sin. Come into my heart. Right now. Wash my sins away. I receive you today as my very own Savior. Thank you for dying for me and rising from the dead, Lord Jesus. With heads still bowed, if you gave your heart to Christ, you are now a child of God. We welcome you to the family. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for speaking once again. I pray, Lord, that decisions that have been made, Father, you might bless those who have made those commitments and confess those sins. And give the assurance in the hearts of those who may have trusted in your Son, the Lord Jesus, for salvation this day. Give them peace and joy as they leave here, knowing that they are in the palm of your hand. They've been given 
eternal life, and no one can pluck them out of your hand. Thank you for these promises, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we conclude our service singing, if you made a decision, Christian, you want to make it public. Whatever decision you made, you made a confession today to the Lord, and you just want to make it public before the Lord, we invite you to come down to this cross and do it as we sing. And if you accepted Christ as your Savior, would you come as well? I'd like to welcome you here to the family of God.